What is up, ouncers? It is the One Ounce Pour, and for those just joining, this is the Hobby Podcast, or as I like to say, uh, we're just kind of loosely basing this podcast on hobbies. So today's guest is Bobak, and he is my cousin, sort of. Yeah. Married into the family, so. Like, I was just thinking about what the title is. I think it's Cousin-in-Law. Cousin-in-Law? Why wouldn't it be? I, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Not kissing we cousins. Talk, we should have. We should have talked about this before starting the podcast, huh? No, no. These now are the kind of like. This is what now people listen to the podcast for. Is this like in depth, trying to figure out a relationship? These authentic, yeah. authentic moments. That's what people know the podcast. You know, for is our authenticity and how we like, like to. It. Uh, just lay it all out there in front of our listeners. Yeah. Anyway, I like it. <laughs> before we get started, you've never listened to the show before, so I'll let you slide on this. But uh, usually we have our ounce. So chin chin. You Wait, can, can you I can pretend? Sh- I'll just pretend. Okay. But right when I saw that you had a beer, I thought, God damn it. What am I doing? I'm upstairs now. Dude, you're mobile. My you can walk over. around, right? I know. I know. But I'm. Um, here, let me, you can't holler down the stairs. Like, First no, off, I would, I would be upset dating. if you hollered at my cousin like that, and you were like, "Give me a beer!" But <laughs> you know, I was, I was literally just thinking about that. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna text. I was gonna text oh. her. Can you bring me a beer? Yeah, there you go with two kids. Well, like that's all okay. good. But um, what are you drinking? Oh man, I am actually having the uh, Pendleton 1910 Rye. That's my okay, ounce. I don't, I don't even know what that is. It's a rye whiskey. Okay. I figured it was whiskey. Yes. Um, I got a nice little pills here. But Ooh, anyway, what, what kind of pilsner you got? Uh, I have a buddy at work, um, a.k.a. another teacher, who Ooh. often gives me beer. Which oh. doesn't seem like a very teacherly thing to do. But I feel like that's the most teacherly thing to do. <laughs> if I was a teacher and someone is. put an apple on my desk, I'd be like, nah, you got to get me a beer. <laughs> yeah. Do you have favorite? Exactly. Do you have no, favorite a, students because of that? Like they drop you off a beer. I have. Oh, that'd be great if they did, but I'd probably have to report them too. That's but I definitely yeah. Drink it. Yeah. No, this is. Uh, it's called Upstanding, and it looks like it's like an Italian. It says Italian style pills because it says pills amici della birra. Ooh. I don't know wow. what that means, but it sounds fancy. All right. Yeah. So there we go. Well, normally one of the segments on my show is called Drew's Brews Cruise, where we review a beer, and you just handled that for me. So... There we go. Yeah. You, who is the brewery? I With these new labels, man, it's hard for me to tell what's the name of the beer and what's the brewery. It looks... Is it called... I don't know. It says Upstanding Pils Amici Della Bira. That must be the name of the beer. Okay. And then Peter Holy Brewmaster? Oh. Peter Holy? Wow. Peter I Holy. Sure. I have no idea. You I'm pretending like I... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mine uh, is, oh, uh, yeah. look at this sucker. It's called Brony. I actually drank this a couple okay. shows ago, but uh, it's apparently a beer so good, it'll make you watch the My Little Pony series. I was going to say, it yeah. looks like a nice little mi- mishmash. Yeah. No, so. can I can I tell a quick story about you asking me if I've ever listened to the podcast? Oh my I God, I wish I, I was... could have segued into that a lot better than you just being like, can I uh, <laughs> take over and just tell a story? But yes. I just want, hey, have you I ever been asked to, to be it. on a podcast before? I, I have. Oh. <gasps> What? A couple times. Oh man, yeah, there I has have. to be in a story fact, behind that, Bobek. Please, please. I have a really good story. <laughs> Enlighten our listeners. It's not that good, but there was there were a couple other people who asked me to podcast, and the first one, right when the guy started rolling, the first question he asked me was, hey, "So you've listened?" He didn't even ask me, I don't think, but he was like, "So you listen to the podcast?" And I was like, <laughs> uh, "No," and I thought right away, I was like, "Shit, how stupid am I? Why didn't I do it?" And then he goes, oh, I thought you probably would have done that 
well, this is an awkward opening. And right after that, I thought, if I ever do a podcast again, I'm going to make sure that I actually listen to one before. And then I didn't. And then you so didn't. I kind of feel like a little bit of a jerk. No, no it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're you know what's authentic moments. What's fun. funny with that? Uh, I went to a job interview one time at a company <laughs> that I won't say the name, but it's an app-based company. And they said, uh, "So, how often do you use our app?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not a lot." And the lady's like. like Pull your phone out. Let's see. Do you? I mean, like, is it on the? I'm like, mm, it's it's not where yeah, you, you should have said. It's not where you, you want it like, to be. You should have been like starting today every day. <laughs> well, I did say once I get you know a little more acclimated yeah. to what you guys do. Yeah, it was difficult Even, to figure out what they did. So I feel like that's tech interviewing all day long. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but enough of about course. me. What do you do for your your job? You're kind of a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a high school teacher. I teach English uh, at a very typical Bay Area, California high school. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm a therapist sometimes, honestly. Ooh. Like it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, it's just an emotionally, I think people like often when they think of teachers, they think of like the person who gets the ruler out and like write an essay right now and you know the kids are all listening and they do it and they get mad at you i I still have a lot of dreams like that actually i'm naked (laughs) my teachers has a ruler and i'm not getting my homework done i want to know what they're doing with that ruler in your dream spanking my bottom that was what i was insinuating yeah got it okay spanking at least yeah have you ever spanked any of your kids Students, no, not your did, actual children. That'd be weird. No, and if and if I were the kind of person that did, I probably wouldn't say yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, you never know. So there could be you, the one you, person listening. Here's a here's a fun fact for people who aren't honestly, even for people who are in in education. Okay. Apparently, corporal punishment is not something that is is illegal to the point where it is banned in every school district, public school district. Apparently there are some public school districts around the country where there is still stuff like spanking that happens, which I find insane. Yeah. I mean, it is uh, I went to a private school, so my wrestling coach was also our vice principal and there's a rule in Mm -hmm. wrestling. You can only hit from three inches, right? It's technically because I didn't even know you could hit. Yeah. I mean, it's, three inches so you can't really wind up and hit but you could in essence pop three inches behind the back of the head and whack somebody with your hand which my wrestling coach slash vice principal instilled as his like punishment (laughs) at the school so he's not hitting you he's just doing a wrestling move you know a little three inch hit and uh did he did he do that to you oh all the time it was insane he did and you know what's funny how hard I mean, as hard as a wrestler could move his hand from three inches to the back of your head, he was quite skilled at it, and he knew it. That's why. He's also one of my favorite people, so it didn't, like, (laughs) scar me for life or anything, but... But it sounds like it sounds like he did it. Did he do it more in like a playful way, or he was legitimately like trying to inflict pain on you? Oh, you know, he towed the line so well, I couldn't give you a solid answer on that. (laughs) yeah you know what sign of a good teacher yeah yeah he didn't even teach me but yeah he taught me how to how to hit from three inches i guess (laughs) well there you go that's the important thing well all right so you're a a teacher and a therapist yeah while you're in there are you feeling like everybody else on the outside is feeling like what's going on with these children or are you just like another day another dollar i don't it's that's a hard one i feel like i am I feel like every year that passes, I'm a little bit less connected to the generation that I'm teaching, which is, it's not a profound statement to make. Like, it's just literally a fact too. But I don't know. I I feel like this generation of, of kids is so much more like in tune with stuff that we never really thought that much about. Like, I was just talking with your cousin about this, Rachel, like my, my wife the listeners about how they're just so much more in tune with like stuff like mental health 
you know, and to me, it could be like a little funny and obnoxious and weird. And I don't know, but they're, they're just really like, I think they're a lot more aware of the way that their environments impact them. And I think a lot of people make fun of them for stuff like that. Like I need to take a mental health breather or something like that and excuse myself from this responsibility. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm rambling right now. I no, it's a, it's a good ramble because uh, I was actually expecting that to go a different way. So it's kind of cool that you get to see those uh, students plugging into their emotions and being able to kind of work through stuff yeah. versus I was expecting you to be like, ah, you know, it's all ecstasy and Ritalin. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, no, but, that's but good. Well, I'm trying to think the big thing that their generation is, is like that they're getting plagued with is like fentanyl. Ooh. And see, the, I mean, it, that is like fentanyl is one of those drugs. I don't know why it was invented. Like meth used to be that drug. You used to yeah. look at meth and be like, why would anybody ever th- think this drug up? And now fentanyl, yeah. it's like, it's a, a act of terrorism if you have it. Because you sure. could yeah. drop a oh, certain it, amount it, in a water supply and wipe out a town. And you're dead, yeah. yeah. No, and that's, we had, um, I think what I heard is that the when I first heard about it being like such an epidemic, I thought, oh, these kids are like very willingly taking this stuff. But I guess the most common way in which like teenagers are dying from it is totally accidental. Like they get stuff from like their buddy's friend. They have no idea like how it's made, how it's got whatever. And all it takes is like you have a little higher of a dose than you should or that you're expecting and that's it. So I mean, that's definitely like, there's, I'm, you know, you got kids too. Like I'm anytime I hear stuff like this, I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> I think I have to like study up on this in seven, eight, nine years. Well, it's hard I mean, because there's like two sides to it. You know, yes, fentanyl is out there and it's yeah. super dangerous. Don't take any kind of drugs that you don't know where it came from. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, they're putting it in candy and handing it out to kids and just fear mongering where I'm like, you know, nobody is actually giving out free drugs in America right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's never going to happen. Cut out, you cut out for like 10 seconds. What was the last thing? Oh, I was just saying that, uh, you know, the big fear mongering piece is that they're putting the fentanyl in like candy and handing it out to children. Oh, and yeah, I was like, nobody's giving out free drugs. There is nobody no. in America handing out free drugs right now. No, that would be unlikely. Yeah, it's a it's a product. Yeah. You got to pay for it. Um, but this is not a show about drugs, even though sometimes it may seem like it. <laughs> this is a show about hobbies. Usually what I like to do is ask politely what hobbies you'd like to talk about, and then I will demand later on what hobbies I want you to talk about. So, Bobic, yeah, what kind of hobbies do you have? So recently, I've been playing a lot of chess, actually. Wow. I that's been my number one hobby for like a good year and a half or so. Okay. It's kind of crazy to think it's, it's been that long, but I play a lot of online chess. So Strictly online? Are you playing against people that you know? or I've done a mix. It's mainly online because Rachel doesn't really like to play she doesn't really like to play me anything. She gets really frustrated with playing games against me. Um, and I don't, like, my kids can't play. They have no idea. Like, Nora calls it cheese. She's like, <laughs> are you playing cheese? You gotta play cheese? Yeah. Um, so it's just, like, super easy and fast to find games online. And you know, I had played, like, as a kid. My uncle taught me. And, I, you know, Every once in a while, like when I'd be in Germany, I'd play with him, but that would be it. It wasn't until like the pandemic hit that I started kind of picking it up and playing it a lot more. So, Just watching the Queen's yeah. Gambit and you're like, I'm hooked. Got to do it. No, you know what's funny? What's funny? Have you seen that show? I have, yeah. I mean, it's a great show. It's amazing. Um, but what's funny is I I didn't get hooked on it from that, but I did start watching Queen's Gambit later because my uh, students knew that I played chess okay. and they're like, you gotta watch this show. So, but the funny thing is, I, I guess the Queen's Gambit is what got a bunch of people to start playing chess again. Yeah, so it was like a, a way, 
increase in oh, really? chess boards and chess sets being sold. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. It was like this huge influx of people. Because, I mean, you know, pandemic was, you know, happening. We're all stuck at home. Yeah. She's making it look real sexy to move the chess pieces around. And, yeah. yeah. I think that caused everyone to get into chess and alcoholism. So There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, so I've, I've been doing that. That's That's mainly been... I feel like of the limited, you know, when you, as a parent, like you, re- I feel like now all I really have is like, oh, the kids are in bed, you know, like we couldn't do this podcast. Dude, you're looking at now. Exactly probably you too. Why. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's just, it's like no time. And when I do have the time, like I was, I was telling Rachel, we, I actually took Nora um, uh, ice skating today for the first time. We oh, went awesome. there and I used to, Another hobby that I used to do, I used to play hockey a lot, but it was more like roller. Um, but I saw a bunch of guys at the rink. They had like they have several rinks there, and one of them they were playing a game of hockey. And and I was like, God damn it! Like I wish that I could do that again. It's just been such a long time, and I I couldn't imagine having the time to commit to something like that. Oh yeah. And I just feel like whatever I do now, it has to be like something that I could really quickly pick up, really quickly put down. I don't want to be spending like 20, 30 minutes putting gear on, you right. know, and taking it off. So, no, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately we're going to be segueing now to, you know, dads and hobbies because <laughs> that is the hardest thing with hobbies and especially hobbies that take up any amount of time. Like, I, uh, I was really into dirt biking. I sold my dirt bike because it's a whole day event, you know, gearing up, yeah. going out, spending all the time, coming back. By the time I got back, it was late, and Ellie's all pissed at me about spending the day and <laughs> didn't have that hobby on the list of, you know, top priorities, yeah. so there it Would went. you guys go, would you and Ellie go a lot, like, before you had kids, or no? So, she's never dirt biked, but okay. the cool part is I got Layla a little electric dirt bike, so now she's Planting starting, oh yeah, and she's actually really good. <laughs> And I'm hoping oh, cool. one day when she wins Supercross, she's going to be like, oh, my dad started me when I was like four, and he's the reason I'm up here. That's the whole goal, right, is to get your kids Wait, so famous. So, so is she actually, she's actually like dirt biking? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's crazy. These new little dirt bikes, these little electric ones, you can like yeah. program them to go a certain speed, and it's dope. Oh, nice. So, yeah, That's she's cool. really good at it, and it actually helped her learn how to ride a bike without training wheels. Oh, funny. Because of that balance aspect. So now she sure. kind of kicks and then gets on the bike and goes. We had her with a bicycle with training wheels. And she goes, Dad, can you just take these off? And I was like, oh, oh wow. are you sure? And you know those you know, videos of the dads and they're holding their daughter up. And they're like, oh, you got this. And then they, they take off in that proud dad moment. I didn't get that. Yeah. Because I took them off, and when I turned around, she was riding it. And I was like, wow, That's okay. That's wild. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is is you're going to put the training wheel businesses out of business, right? Oh, man. This company, I think you, it's all you need is- Stasic or something, the electric motorcycle company. They're geniuses. Okay. Yeah. Look them up. Yeah, so why, why buy $10 training wheels when you could buy a $1,000 bike? Uh, it, the coolest part is it's less than that, too. No, runs no, no, off no. a little drill battery i'm selling you on this i know you're already starting to think about it yeah i want to do it i wish i wish in our house i mean you guys are in utah we're in san jose that's true there is a different a environment yeah <laughs> it's funny though because the guy the guy who lives two doors down from us has like three dirt bikes in his garage and we're just like where the hell do you go I, no idea. where there's a will there's a way man yeah <laughs> those yeah. people know where to go exactly yeah. So, chess. I don't know how much more you can talk about chess. What's your favorite opening move? Um, I don't know. I mean, do you know chess? I don't know if names, say, but I'll pretend I like if, I do. Do you know, like, the notation, what people mean when they say chess notation? No, no? absolutely not, no. Okay, so, like, if I say my favorite opening is E4... E4, E5, I think it's E4. See, there's a lot of people who like get really obsessive over like knowing the specific names of openings. I don't do any of that. Okay. Like I just, 
I just kind of go, okay, if I move my pawn here and that guy moves his pawn there, I know now to move my knight here. So I kind of know it by like seeing it, but I don't really know the names. Well, cool. But so I'll, you... I'll tell you, I'll tell you, actually, I know one name and oh. it's a one opening that I'm really good with. It's called the, the Italian. Oh, all right. It sounds fancy. It's like, it does. yeah, you, you really like Italians, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. Right. I mean, you get you guys are Italian, right? I Your mean, family? supposedly. We're refusing to yeah. do the the well, I mean, you know swab test because it'll come back like Irish. We'll all be pissed, and our whole <laughs> lives will just crumble. No. And <laughs> yeah, no, I mean your 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 grandma made makes ravioli, so you're Italian. There, there you as go. As long as you have a grandma who makes handmade ravioli, you can't not be Italian. I feel like as long as my middle name is Colombo, I can at least hold on to that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we got that going for us, but. Yep. So let's uh, let's finish up on chess because I want to talk to you about something totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and chess isn't, you know, I mean, we great can, hobby, we can but on. I don't know if we could expand we can, around chess <laughs> for too we long. We can move on. Okay. We can move on already Are you ready? if you want. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Comedy. Talk to us yeah. about comedy, man. Yeah. I You're just, a very interesting human being with that Thank being, you. you know, the backbone of everything. How long have you been doing comedy? Oh, man. The first time I did it? Actually, I know exactly. The first time that I ever did it was on my 23rd birthday. So, mm. I, God, it's insane to think that that was 12 years ago or 12 and a half years ago, something like that. Um, but, I, I mean, I haven't done it in a few years now. It goes back to that whole thing I was saying about being a dad. Yeah. I feel like ever since that whole process started, it was just so much more difficult for me to justify. I can't even imagine asking my wife, like, "Hey, <laughs> you gotta pick. You gotta pick your moments, right?" Some... <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's yeah. I've I've done it since I was twenty three. I had at twenty three. What got you into it, though? I mean. You know, I had always wanted to do it. I think I, I remember being a little kid, like first or second grade, and telling my dad that I wanted to be a comedian. And pff, I don't know if at the time I knew why. I don't even know if I knew. I don't even know if I knew any comedians back then, but I, I just remember seeing that, like, whenever we had a lot of people over when I was a kid that the thing that got you attention was making people laugh, mm. you know? And I think that that was where it kind of started for me was just, okay, I see that, you know, this is, I, when I was a kid, I loved attention. How do I get attention? That's one way to do it. I felt like I was able to be, like, I think around fourth, fifth grade, I started to notice that uh, I was funny in some ways, annoying in a lot of ways, but sometimes funny and, uh, I just from there, I wanted to keep cultivating that, and I and I literally at one point, like it's kind of embarrassing to admit, I had made a uh, a word document. The kids <laughs> today don't know what that is, but I made a word document, and I was so scared to death to tell anyone that I was doing this. But it was a word document, just compiling like jokes that I would tell if I ever did stand up, and I think I made that in like seventh grade. Do you still have that? I do. I think I do. Oh and my it's god! Cold. And I remember thinking when I made the word document, like, I no one can ever find this. So like, I thought, what do I name this? So no one ever opens, and I just called it library. So there's like a document on my computer still, just called library. I never changed the name of it. But I, I've, I've kind of like evolved from there, and and now have like a notepad, um, on my phone. You know, like the the apple app yeah. right and i just still like i know that i'm not going to be doing stand-up anytime soon but i'm always just thinking oh that would be like a funny joke and just kind of putting it on there yeah so i have every once in a while i'll just open the app when i'm bored and just read through and go oh yeah i gotta do these jokes sometime so i don't know i guess long i keep on rambling but like i feel like even though i started when i was 23 I had just kind of been working towards it mentally and emotionally since I was probably like in my early teens and it was just like way too afraid to, to try it. You know, you know, I don't even know how to, I didn't know how to do it. Right. You know, you see stand up comedians on TV and they're in these big stadiums and you don't know where the genesis of that is from. 
Right. Um, and where was at 23, we, where was your Genesis though? I mean, like were you just walking and saw a club and walked into it or found a trail. No, so, so there's actually the, one of the reasons that I dove into it then was years before, I, I want to say when I was like 18, 19, I had found out about a comedy club in the, the town I'm from called Sunnyvale like typical suburban Bay area town, this place called rooster tea feathers. Rooster tea feathers is actually like a really well-known kind of small, intimate comedy club, like big names have been there. Um, you know, like I think Robin Williams performed there before. And like, it's like a small place. Like oh, I don't even think a cool. hundred people could fit in there. And it's also famous for being the first ever place to have a, a video game arcade box in it. Oh, uh, really? Atari made Pong. Yeah, the first ever Pong machine was in this place. So it has like this history and whatever, and it was just known as like the comedy club in our suburban town. And I just always in the back of my head thought, oh, okay, like maybe I'll be there sometime. And then I found out that there's open mic nights, and I found out what that is, and that, oh, anyone can go there. Anyone could stand up. And then I, I had found out that oh, there was an open mic night on my birthday. Oh, okay. And, and to me, it was like, uh, if that's not a sign, then, you know, Very kismet, what would be. Right? So. <laughs> and I had never told anyone, I think I had mentioned a couple times to people that I knew that I wanted to try it. But when I finally booked it, I like, I think at the time, you know, Facebook invitations were a thing. I don't know if they still are. But I invited all my friends and that was the way that they found out that I wanted to try doing standup. And, um, yeah. And that was it. Wow. Okay. And yeah. what were, what were your thoughts going on stage for your first time though? That's a good question. I can hardly remember. I remember that I had 15 minutes, which I think to this day is like one of the longest sets That's I've ever done. That's a good amount of time to be up yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I look back, yeah, and like thinking, knowing that it was my first time, it was mm. like really wild that I went that long. But they let me because so many people came to see me. Oh, okay. And I remember, because it was my birthday, right? And and I remember when I got in and I didn't know at the time, oh yeah, all the comics hang out in the back or, you know, sometimes there's a green room and I was sitting with them and I heard a couple of them go like, man, there's a ton of people here today. So I knew that, okay, there's a lot of people who are probably here for me. And and it, it, it made me a lot more comfortable. And I think the fact that I had never done it before had a little less pressure on me. So there weren't as many. I actually would end up getting way more nervous in the next few times that I had done, that I did it afterwards. Um, but I, I had prepped because I knew it was 15 minutes. I had like looked through that freaking Microsoft Word talk, <laughs> the library. And I just was like, "What? Yeah, what are the best ones?" Um, and I just tried to find segues between the jokes. I think there's still video of my first time. Um, and I and honestly, I was I was really lucky. Like I I was pretty funny. I think it definitely helped that like so many people were there to see me, so they probably would have laughed either way. But I did well enough that the host came up to me and was like, I want you on a show. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. Yeah, I was super humbled by it. But it was it was funny because the next show I did was this like, it was a big gig for this guy who was headlining, who, who actually just finished in the semifinals of America's Got Talent like a year ago. Oh, no way. Like, he What's was, his name? Yeah. His name is Kabir Singh. He's not like this huge household name, but he has had a few viral videos on like TikTok and he used to write for Family Guy, I guess. And, you know, he went all the way to the semifinals for that for America's Got Talent. So he ended up being pretty big, but it was crazy because, you know, you go from this small club where it's like, this is so small, it's in my hometown, whatever, to like the improv in San Jose. And the moment I walk in, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a theater, you know? And I go up in the green room, and there's these people who have been doing comedy for, like, like literally, like, decades. And I'm sharing the stage with them. And this is my second time ever. Yeah. And I started to kind of freak out. And, you know, I don't think I did as – I don't think I did terrible, but, like, I, you know, it was my second time. And, like, the guy who ended up, like – being the setup for the headliner had to tell me afterwards, he's like, Hey man, you got to hold the microphone closer. (laughs) I was making those (laughs) kinds of mistakes still, but it was, it was wild, you know, to go 
to make that kind of a jump that fast. Like it, it felt wrong. <laughs> you what, know? When did you feel it like cool. it started to click for you? Like click in what sense? Like, uh, like you kind of got your stride. You had some good polished jokes. Like when, you know, I don't know that I, I, I had, I never became someone who did it regularly. You know, it would main like there'd be like comedy competitions. One year I ended up making um, the finals of a comedy competition at the same comedy club, Rooster Teeth Feathers. Um, that was probably when I felt it was easiest for me. But to be honest, I don't think I ever became regular enough to ever have felt like comfortable. Like I felt like it was always just like, I don't know what this show's going to be like. Like, is this going to be a good one? Is this going to be not a good one? And <laughs> I can usually tell, like, as I'm going up on stage. Um, but I don't think I had comedy and still don't feel that I have it figured out well enough to know what factored into that, right? And I feel like that's the difference between, like, Pete, you know, because you do comedy too, right? When's the last time you did comedy? A while or? 2017. So it's been a minute. So honestly, yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's around as long as it's been for me. You know, I think I did it, like, as recent as 2019 or 2018. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, like, the people who do it all the time, who I had met a lot of while I did do it, they just, it, it's almost like a science to them, I feel. And they have such a good feel for it. And they don't stress as much about it. And they're like, okay with having bad nights. And yeah. I don't think I ever got to that. Like, I feel like that was something that was really important was like, you need to be able to go up there knowing I might bomb and like be okay with it. And I don't think I ever got to that point. I, I, think I was never always so figured that, that part out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would go home and just like, oh, fuck, like, are you kidding? Why did you, why'd you even attempt that joke? Why'd you go yeah. out there and, then the next time we went out, you know, it'd be like the veteran guy that's like, dude, that's how you, that's how you figure out what works and what doesn't work. Like, yeah, you, know, you gotta, exactly. you gotta bomb every once in a while. But these guys would like, their sets were so routine and so polished and they weren't working on the jokes anymore. They were working on like how to deliver it perfectly yeah. and the exact yeah. cadence they were going to use and all of that. So, well, what was well, your worst what... bomb joke? You don't have oh, to. You don't have to tell the joke, but like, what was the scenario? Tell the joke. No, or tell I, the joke. Is, Do it. I want to hear. <laughs> I got a good one. I can't even tell the joke if I. I think I had bombed so poorly that I I forced the exact joke from Just my brain. Vaporized so I would it never from your memory. <laughs> no, there was one time it was I had referenced this comedy competition. Every year, Rooster Feathers has this comedy competition, and I. And, you know, I, this is the first time I think that I ever enlisted in it. And this is after I had, like, several successful, like, comedy shows. Some of them paid. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like, I'm, you know, five minutes for the first round of this comedy competition among a bunch of people who are amateurs. I'll be fine. <laughs> and because it was five minutes, I thought, okay, well, like, do I tell a bunch of small little jokes or do I tell, like, one really funny joke? And I ended up doing the latter, which was really not a good idea because I learned fast. You will never know how good a joke is until you're out there. Oh yeah. And the worst thing you want to do at a, a wait. So this was this of... was a this was an unworked joke. You just went out there and oh yeah, gave them a yeah. freshie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't a freshie in my mind because I ran it by my closest friend before. <sighs> Which is also not a wonderful no. barometer for how good a joke is. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you the framework of the joke or like the premise. The joke was about how when I was a kid, um, I, I was trying to even remember how I set this up. It was something about oh yeah, when I was a kid, I was like really afraid that there was a penguin in my backyard. Like this is true. I was really afraid there was a penguin in my backyard. And I think like the the first part of the joke involved me going like, "What did I think? There was some murderous penguin," and then like did like a <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, right? And then did like a Joe Pesci voice no, impersonating no. The, the the penguin. <laughs> and I can't even wait. Was the I penguin said. Joe Pesci? Yeah, it was like it was like a New Jersey penguin, and it was like, oh. and my friend thought that that was so funny. And okay. And I was like, this is fucking hilarious. And then I went up there and like, 
it was one of those it was one of those jokes where like i started telling it and like already no one's laughing and i was like oh maybe and you know you get to the point where you're like you realize that it's just no one's gonna laugh Mm. but it was so but it was so early on in the joke no so you still had like like four minutes left (laughs) (laughs) and i still yeah i can't remember if i told only that joke for the whole time but it was definitely like a majority of it but dude this is the worst part of it i bombed a bunch of friends of mine a bunch of people i hadn't seen in years who had heard i'd done comedy came to the show that's and how it like, works though, it, right? And that was oh yeah, I know. And and they all like saw me do a terrible, terrible job. And um and <laughs> you know, and, and you could tell it's it was bad because like some of them came up to me afterwards and like I'm so sorry. And they're like, No, no it, was, it was good. And, <laughs> and and here's the worst part is this was part of the comedy competition. Ton of people came out to see me. The way they determined who went through is based on votes from the audience. Oh no! So, so yeah, so, <laughs> so, so they announce the top three, and like the number one guy goes out, number two person goes out, and in my head, I'm like, don't fucking call me up there, and they call my name, and I like oh, made the no. cutoff, and I walked up there, and you know the lights pouring on you, and you know people are laughing, and all I could think of, and and I looked at the guy in the audience who like didn't walk up who was like you clearly should have been up here and i was so humiliated for myself oh so my God. um yeah and and what was so funny so not only did you have the worst joke but then you got promoted for having <laughs> just people yes here. exactly exactly <laughs> to get them to be even more pissed off at me and what was so and this is the scariest part drew is that was five minutes it was the fr- it was the first time i bombed and it was like it was like terrible oh and and I had a paid gig at the San Francisco Punchline one week later, and and it was like a fifteen minute thing, and I was just like, I can't, how can I can't do this? Like I just I had five minutes, and how do I know I'm not going to do that for like fifteen minutes in San Francisco? And uh, and I just I went through my library doc. I like found all these jokes. I'm like, I need to go to these like tried and true ones. I have to go to other ones that I know are funny. And I ended up, I think having like one of the best sets I ever did like oh, just awesome. one week later. Yeah. And it was, and I, that was actually right when I met Rachel. I think it was like, I had met Rachel just a few weeks before that. Cause she was supposed to come to my penguin joke show oh, and she couldn't, she couldn't make it. And good thank thing. God. Yeah. I know. Wow. Thank you. Things could yeah. be different. We might not be uh, cousins. So. No, she could have saw might that not and be been like, in-laws. "What the f- doing, Joe Pesci Penguin? What are you doing? I'm out of here." Yeah, this guy. Has- yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so that was the worst that I ever bombed by far. <laughs> so your library doc. It sounds like it's a. It is a constant evolution. Then, it's not just a bunch yeah, of like eight year old jokes. It's you're constantly filling no, them back it's... in and. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I'd go back and I'd look at one and I'd go like, oh, I could probably add a little bit to this, and I would. And I don't think that's another thing that I don't think I did this long enough for to ever really figure out. I never figured out, and I'm curious what works for you, because I know you went through this too when you did it, like where you're writing jokes, like what would your process be? Because to me, if I came up with an idea, I'd kind of oscillate between, okay, maybe I just write like the premise down Mm -hmm. and then just like, you know, revisit or whatever. And then just like think and practice it in my head, how I would say it. Or do I like come up with like the very, like a script, you know, like I'm going to say it like this. And I felt like sometimes one way worked and sometimes the other way worked. And I never really figured out what the best process was, you know? So it was really like a lot of trial and error for me, but is that what you did? How did you, come up with your jokes i think i knew like i had things that at like house parties would be funny and i'd be like okay i gotta figure out how to make that a joke like uh yeah i'm gonna tell one and it's i'm just gonna tell you the premise and you're gonna be like yeah. what the fuck but um basically it joe pesci it, it's not a it's not a joe pesci i wish it was this good okay. um it the worst part about this joke is that it got so many laughs. Just 
I mean, eruption laughter. It was the first time I've ever got like full bellies heaving eruption laughter. And I literally still to this day think it's the dumbest fucking joke I've ever done in my entire life. It's so dumb. So basically, when you when you say gets when you say it got all that laughter, you're talking about like at parties before you turned it into a joke, or like no, when you like when I performed it as a joke. Like at oh, parties, okay. it, it, I would do this to people, and it would yeah. make them uncomfortable. And I like making people <laughs> uncomfortable. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when people are talking and they give you the whole like you know oh yeah Bob was talking the yeah. other day and they give you the whole jerk off hand thing. Yeah. Well, eventually yeah. they kind of like finish it a little bit. And if you're standing across from him, you just pretend like you catch it in your mouth. And it's it's just the dumbest thing in the world, but that is I, I would That's tell the story funny. about I like how I would do this eat... at parties. Yeah. And people would just die. that one got people. And then um uh, I forgot what the other one was. I'll figure it out at three AM this morning. But um <laughs> it, it was just one of those things where like it was funny at parties, so I made it into a joke. And then for jokes that I wrote, I would write down a premise and then I'd go back and I'd try and figure out the rest of it. And there mm-hmm. were so many times it never worked. <laughs> and I would try it yeah. still because, I mean, I was going almost every week and just trying you, to... You were performing every week? I w- trying to. Some weeks I'd have to miss and we'd get paid yeah. for some gigs. I'd go to those and we wouldn't get paid for other gigs. I wouldn't go to those. Um, yeah. but I mean, I was just like throwing stuff against the wall to see if it stuck. Cause I had like stories that I would tell, but you really have to have like, you know, that punchiness to the story for it actually to be funny. Yeah. And I had a couple of them that, that were all right. Um, but I told this one joke about being Italian from the waist down and I explained like, you know, I'm Italian, but like, I don't have the, the big chest hair and the back hair and all this stuff. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. you know, luckily I was blessed <laughs> and I'm Italian from the waist down. And then the punchline after all this stupid setup was, you know, yeah, it looks exactly like Italy. And yeah. I thought in my head, I thought this is hilarious. Cause everybody's picturing <laughs> like, you know, furry, whatever. And then, you know, oh, it actually his penis looks like Italy. <laughs> I, now that I look back, like it's the dumbest that thing funny. I've ever come up with. I think but, it's funny. Uh, I told that joke and it was so devastating because I think that was either the first or second time I bombed hard. And I told that yeah. joke and it wasn't even like a pity chuckle. It was just dead. And I looked and there was some like gal sitting at a table i'll never forget her face because she did this like kind of face like uh oh <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was like she was telling all her friends like this guy sucks <laughs> and i was like no <laughs> no i didn't need to look directly at her but uh yeah. so I, I was sweating the whole time i was on stage after that yeah. and i still had the rest of my set to do but yeah it's it sucks when you did you bomb. did you feel did you feel that one of the biggest predictors of your success. Did you feel that your success was more based on like the, like just the general objective quality of your jokes? Or did you feel a lot of it had to do with like how good you were feeling when you walked up there? Mm. Cause it, like the reason I asked that is cause I honestly like looking back at it, I, I felt like there were times where like I told a joke and like people didn't laugh. I'm like, that's a funny fucking joke. Like, I know that that joke would work, but it just, something's not working right now. And, and I felt like often I was able to kind of feel what the night would be like, like as I started talking, you know? So did you prep yourself before you got on stage? Were you like, I mean, kind of gearing up for it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, how could you not in my mind at least? Like, I feel like, you know, I'm running through my routine. I'm, I don't know. Like, there's. I remember there was the day that I met Rachel. Actually, I met her at a comedy show. I don't know if she told you that. I think I've heard that story. I don't. Yeah, think I've got the full in-depth version. But so, so she. I I swear to God, I actually think. I'm almost a hundred percent sure that I performed that night. That was a week after. Like it was that night that she came and watched because that to this day was like my best set by far like i got more there's a guy who's who has a tv show on um 
uh, on Netflix. His name is Sammy Obeyed, and he has the Guinness World Record for most nights in a row doing stand-up. Okay. And he was the headliner that day, and I got more laughs than him, and I still remember Okay. And it was it was just one of those like lightning in a bottle things, you know. A lot of my friends were there too, so I can't pretend like it was just me. But like, I just remember before going up there, like I was going doing the rounds, checking out people at the tables, talking to my friends and stuff, and I was just really feeling it. Like it was it was one of the only nights ever where I didn't feel the need to constantly run through my routine in my head mm-hmm. before going up. Um, I just felt like I knew it. I felt comfortable. And yeah, it's just like, the more I think about it, I really feel like, and it's funny because to a degree teaching is not that different. Like there's some days where like my lesson's not great, but reflecting on it, I'm like, I think it was honestly just like my vibe or like. I think that has a lot to do with it. Like the confidence that you bring up on stage and like the, the swagger that you go up on stage with. I mean, like I had, I wouldn't say I was like a character but I kind of felt like, okay, I need to turn on this different person to go up on stage. And, you know, I had like cowboy yeah. boots on. I, I'd full on like yeah. swagger up there, you know? Well, and I think, I think you like, that's, it helps you so much too, because there's nothing that like disarms an audience more than your confidence in the sense that like, I don't know, like you know, you've been to, when you're at these shows and you're watching like someone go up and you don't know how they're going to do, if it's like an open mic, you get nervous for the person. Oh, like if they're so not hard confident, too. Yeah. Especially you get, if you, you kind of like them. And, <laughs> yeah. Like you don't want them like you in the moment you notice that they're nervous, it makes you not want to laugh. You know, even if you want to laugh for them, you just feel like you can't and you're more like queasy and like, eh, or you're forcing the laughter and it's not genuine. And I don't know, sometimes like people who get the most laughs are not even the people who are like the funniest, but for whatever reason, it's really funny. They feel really comfortable saying what they're saying. Yeah. And if you watch like, to me, the best example of that, I don't even think he's that funny, but like Jerry Seinfeld's old standup. Oh, like, absolutely. if you watch old, like watch old standup tape of him, there's some shows where like, He's just telling joke after joke after joke. It's like, you know, he has his like cheesy, corny, like non, non-offensive jokes. And, and like not many people are laughing. And he just has this like swagger that like every time he continues saying the next joke that's not that funny, people just, it just like builds and builds and builds. And I don't know. I think a big part of it is just like you feeling sure that what you're saying is funny. You know, like I think it's funny. And if you see that, I think it's funny. You're probably going to think the same thing too, or think it's funny that I I don't know what it is, but I think that has a lot to do that. I don't think that would have ever helped my, uh, Italian from the waist down joke, but (laughs) maybe it would have helped your, uh, your Joe Pesci penguin. penguin I don't don't know about that one either. (laughs) Some jokes are meant to die. So did you have like a set? polished routine that you were like these are my this is my opening joke i got some filler i got a middle joke and i got a closing joke i got i had an opening joke that it didn't really kill every time in fact sometimes it really disgusted people but it was a i thought it was a good i can share it can you kind of gross no i'm excited so there's there's a you know i had listened to like tips from like other comedians and stuff and one of the big tips that i heard from like comedians is start try to start with jokes about what makes you unique like things like your name or your heritage whatever yeah so my first joke was um what i used to know exactly how to oh oh yeah it's just about my name because people don't know my name it's bobak right it's an unfamiliar name say hey guys my name is bobak uh it's easy to remember it's kebab backwards um which makes sense because I've been told that I taste better from behind. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, yes. it was one of those jokes that like, oh like people, you hear it for, it's like people pause for a second and then you hear like a few chuckles and then it just starts building. And I love that. I love the jokes yes. where I'd say it and I just let it marinate for a second and people would start appreciating it more. You just sit So back. that was an easy one. Yeah. That was an easy one that made me feel pretty good and then there was a joke that i told 
that evolved actually like i felt like some of my best jokes were ones that like i i didn't i came up with the joke first but it wasn't until i went through the joke several times during practicing it that i came up with like a little addendum that i was like oh that would make it really Ooh, funny okay. so one of them was one of them was about uh how i'm like half persian and half german so i'd be like hey i you know i'm multicultural and that's really hard because it's hard for me to make decisions. I have all these voices in my head telling me what to do. So like I got my paycheck the other day and I'm trying to remember like the order that I go on, but it's like, you know, my, my Persian side's like, what? No. Oh yeah. My Persian side's like, why don't you, why don't you save your money? And then like my American side's like, why don't you spend it all? And then like, I had come up with the idea later on about like, Oh, and Oh no. That's now I'm remembering. And then I'd say it. And then my Persian American side's like, why don't you spend all your money on cologne? <laughs> if you know Persian Americans, it's because they're the, you know, you get it. And then I thought later, well, I was telling the joke to my friend. And then my German side's like, why don't you kill all the Jews? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and that got like lots of laughs. Very inappropriate. But, um, so I feel like for a while, those, those were like my two go-tos that I would use a lot. And then there was always a joke that I told to end it that people thought was really funny. It was about like the, you know, the, like when it was still new, like you'd have to give a dollar to like, the, you know, Safeway or yeah. whatever would have like a, the Santa hey. or whatever. Well, it would always like, you know, you're checking out and, and uh oh like you want to round up cancer to the, research. Yeah, yeah. sure yeah and and actually the the reason i came up with a joke was because one time i was at safeway and i was ordering or i like was in line whatever i paid and it said do you want to donate a dollar to cancer whatever and then i'm like and i click no and it wouldn't like work so I, like i got really nervous and i like kept clicking no and it kept not working and and eventually eventually i just like clicked yes but i thought how funny would it have been for me to just be like, it's not working. And then going like, why don't you just press it? I'm like, I'm not. No. So the whole joke's about me, like being unwilling to like, you know, pay for the dollar and holding the line up and all that stuff. And there's like a lot of things that I'd add to it and change about it. And where like, I'd, I'd realize, Oh, this kind of relates to that old joke that I told earlier in the set. Let me call back to that. So I just felt like, you know, I had this routine, but there were, some of those jokes that always like try to liven up and evolve to a degree. But I also felt like one of the reasons I feel like I could never be like a professional stand-up comedian is because I feel like I could like, there's, there's these jokes that I was just like, I don't think I'll ever be able to come up with a funnier joke than this, you know? <laughs> and that's, and that's not to say like this joke is so funny, but it's more of a, I feel creatively bankrupt. Like yeah. how do these comedians literally like year after year come up with like funnier material? Like that was so insane to me. And I don't think I could ever have done that. Yeah. But I mean, now sitting at home with your two kids and wife and a whole new lens on life, aren't you writing down different jokes in your Apple that you're like, this is actually <sighs> funnier. You know, it's funny. I just, I feel like I've been so removed. It's, while I'm talking to you right now, by the way, I'm opening up my super long document, <laughs> my notepad, just to see like the last time that I updated it. Actually, I remember adding this joke. I've only added like four jokes since I've had kids, I think. Isn't it hard to be creative? It's really, yeah. Hey, it's like, nuts. Feel, it's insane. Rachel and I have talked about how like having kids you're so like clouded mentally that it's just hard to find space in any way to be creative. And, you know, it's like a fog almost. Yeah. It's, it is one of those, uh, fun little tidbits that I feel everybody is just holding close to their chest. When you ask them like, Oh, what's parenting? Like, and they're like, Oh, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's wonderful. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get into it and they're like, Hey, how's that? Uh, you know, creativity flowing huh and you're like it sucks and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the club bitch <laughs> yeah it's like well this is fun thanks for the but that's the heads up but that's what's so that's why parenting parenting is so great that like you're willing to kill everything else that <laughs> you did you know like you're you're willing to like destroy the rest of your life 
the, the like all the things that you had fun doing to like have these kids you uh, know it's true I guess that's and, one way of looking at it uh i hope that one day you get to reindulge in comedy because i think the world deserves it dude i was, I was just thinking like i t- i want to see you perform i don't think like, i, I think, could I think, anymore yes no i don't think so i one of my buddies was out here and we were drinking and he's like, dude, I never got to see it. Like, tell me a joke. Like, tell me a joke. And I'm like, oh, I can't. Which never works. It never it works. Work it's never, way. ever worked. And I'm like, no. dude, I can't just like stand up. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, I got to prep. Yeah. I have to have the exact two whiskeys. I have to like have my notepad. I have to feel comfortable. I have to do my intro. I have to walk on. I like, it's a thing. And he's like, come yeah. on, just give me like a, a gist. So I told him the worst best joke i ever wrote was was about provolone and i'll stand behind this joke all day long it was the best joke i ever wrote and i told him the joke and at the end he was just like ah i mean i guess it was probably funny when you were up on stage <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah exactly that's asshole. that's fucking exactly how it works <laughs> yeah it's just no, me but... with bright lights and then people laugh like it's, it's no funny. i i think i think and i'm i mean this in earnest i think we should find an opportunity when our families get together oh my where God, they all yes. come, they all, all, you know, your parents or like Rachel's mom, so whoever can like watch the kids one night and we'll go out and we'll perform and our wives can come and some other select members of our family, friends could come, whatever. And we just both perform at like an open mic night. And, and who cares if we're not funny? We're it would be fun. It would be fun. Lives. And here's the thing about I think like stand up comedy for me. It's like karaoke, right? I'm going to be like, oh, no, 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 you know, <laughs> no, no, no. I am dying to get up there and do it anyway. So all I need is someone yeah. to be like, get up there. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> and then I'll yeah. bomb. But at least I, I have no shame. And I think that's why yeah. I felt okay doing comedy. There was stuff that yeah. I was upset with my delivery and like how the joke came out. But I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever felt shame afterwards. <laughs> You know, yeah. So I think that you was tell my a penguin joke, and you'll feel a lot of shame. I, again, again, <laughs> Italian from the waist down joke was your yeah. penguin joke. Like, it was so bad, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel shame. I felt like bummed that I was so yeah. bad at delivering just, that it joke. Feels good. I feel like it, it's got. It feels good to know you get stuff like that out of the way, right? Like we you, have like, to. You have to, right? You bombed, and you and that's okay. Like you, you made it out you made out of it just fine and you can grow from it. But no, I've, I've told Rachel like a ton, like, like you have a great, you just have a great voice for stand up. You're yeah. like that, like Charlie day kind of annoying grinding voice. No, <laughs> not at all. You know who you sound like? Who oh, no, please don't that, say it. Do you know who I'm going to say? No, but whoever it is, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a guy. It's a guy who, who I think has been canceled. Oh, I can't, good. His, his, That's a good way name. to start. Like, oh yeah, you know name? that guy that like you know exposed himself yeah, in front of children. Like exactly. that guy. Yeah, you, no, you I think, sound like I think him. he. His name is T.J. Miller. Yeah. Okay, like I get that a lot. We both have the curly hairs. That's about it. No, but like you sound, you sound like him. I think it's the slight lisp in our voices. I don't think that's what it is. No? Not to me, at least. All right. Well, hey, I think TJ Miller is a cool dude. I think he was canceled because he made a bomb threat on a bus or something. Exactly. On like a train. I'll take that over like some guy that, you know, exposed himself to children. So I think think he actually had sexual assault stuff, too. Damn it, TJ. (laughs) (sighs) No, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My favorite time i've ever been told i look like not sound like but look like a celebrity was um one of our our guys at, at uh, the dealership i worked at he would uh like empty all the trash cans and stuff and he was on a like a uh a program but yeah he walked up to me one day and he said drew i have to tell you something and i don't want this to go to your head and i was like oh okay what's up man and he's like you look like Star Lord, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, like Chris Pratt. Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" Like, yeah, and this is right go. as this is right as Chris Pratt got super hot, Big. right? And he's <laughs> like, "But 
like Star Lord, but before he was Star Lord. And he's like, "Did you ever see that show Parks and Rec?" And I was like, God, "Damn it! Are you saying I look like Fat Chris Pratt?" And he's like, "Well, not fat, but bigger." And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> the one time I get a good that's celebrity, funny. like that's is, still a good. That's still uh, good. I don't think that's bad. I mean. There's hope, right? Because he was fat, yeah. and then he got good-looking, and then he got annoying. But, yeah, there's hope. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever gotten somebody walking up and saying wow. you look like so-and-so? Even specifically, like, at a comedy show, or just... No, just in general. Oh, you should look this guy up. There's a guy who I used to look so similar to Ooh. that my mom saw a picture of him and literally thought it was me. Um, his He's a French-Moroccan comedian. Okay. And his name is Gad, G A D L Male, E L M A L E H. And if you do an image search on him, it's the only person ever that I was told that I look like that when I saw him, I was like, oh, wow, I do kind of look like him. Huh. Yeah. And the first time I heard about it was from a French exchange student when I was in university. And she was like, you look just like this guy. And then when I went to France, a bunch of people told me the same thing. Um, I should have just played so, yeah. it off as you were him. Yeah, I know. Got some drinks or something. No, but I, I feel like I've all you know. I feel like everyone. It's the case for everyone. Like different stages of your life, you have different like doppelganger identifications. Like when I was in high school, everyone thought I looked like Ray Romano. Oh, you know. I don't. I haven't gotten that in a long time. But then I did, and then it. I think it's so, just like, the nose. One, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think that's part of it, yeah. I think I had darker skin then, too. I don't know. All right. But, yeah, Italian from the waist up. <laughs> Thank you. See, you know, yeah. I'll tell you what. Callbacks, when you're up there on stage, that is like, that's gold. Nothing made me feel better than it, like doing a callback and getting people laughing. Like, oh, I remember yeah. when he said that like 10 minutes ago. And you're like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was doing. It was such a, it's such a funny concept. Like, that's really all of it. Like, <laughs> I remember you said that. We were, you know? we were here when like, he said that 10 minutes ago. And you're like, yeah. They're not even that. Yeah, they're not even that creative sometimes. But <laughs> no. they, just, they like it. It's easy. All right. Well, if you were going to leave our listeners with one thing. To get them into comedy, what would it be? Oh, jeez! When you, you can say make get them into comedy, you mean tr- if you want. But do you mean like? Do you mean like get them to try comedy? Yeah, or yeah. So you know, the point of this show is for people to listen, and if they're into that hobby or that profession, to try it out. Maybe but they get up and yeah, try it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know what I would say? What would you tell? I would tell them the same thing that I told my students. I I didn't even bring this up yet, but at my old school that I taught at, I taught a speech class and I had full control over the curriculum of the speech class. And this is when I was like still in the middle of performing. Okay. And I thought, let's do a stand-up comedy unit. So I made it from the ground up just based on like what I've seen, looking stuff up online, hearing from like people who are way more, way better than me at, at comedy. And I told them like the, this idea of, I'm not funny. Like, it's just not, like, especially for stand-up comedy, it's just not true. Like, stand-up comedy is just all, it has nothing to do with you being the person who usually makes people laugh. And I feel like it has more to do with, when you really just think of, like, what makes a joke funny, it's just you're sharing, like, your unique perspective of of something that someone hasn't thought of before. That's what I've always felt like a good joke is. Like, oh, I've never actually thought of that in this way, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some people who are really good at doing that. And I'll, I'll remember when I taught this unit and I told them, we're, I'm, all of you are going to get up and you're going to do a three-minute stand-up set. That's going to be your unit final. And a bunch of them got really, really scared. And one of my students, she was like this, you know, the prototypical straight-A kid who like could do all the things like a robot really well. Like you tell me what to do and I'll memorize what you want me to do and I'll do it exactly as you asked me, but like creatively, like really struggled Mm. and didn't stand up and talk in front of people a lot. And it really scared her that like, you know, she had never been considered funny or anything. And she ended up having like, 
I thought like, well, what's something that is uniquely you? And her big thing was like, I'm obsessed with my grades and I freak out if I'm not going to do well on something. And her whole stand-up set was just about that part of her. It was just about like all of the ways in which she lets that overtake her life. And she killed, like people thought <laughs> she was super, super funny. And, and it was, to me, it was like the perfect example of like, literally anyone could do this. You could, you could be terrified to death and you could still make people laugh. It just, all it has to do with is just like sitting down and thinking of what you have to say. What's the unique thing that you need to share. So that's I like it. it. I like yeah. it a lot. Well, thank you for cool. joining us today. And, uh, like always, ounces, drink it one ounce at a time. There we go. Mm-hmm.